Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You can't allow that. You got to be a good gatekeeper on what you're bringing into your life and what you're allowing in. Because there's plenty of things. If we are engaged in a spiritual battle, and we are, then we have to understand that the enemy is smart. He's very wise. He's been around for a long time, longer than any of us. He knows more than any of us too, by the way. And he knows how to get us. And so you and I have to be on guard daily. What are we allowing in? What are we allowing in? Don't be fooled. You have an enemy out there that wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. Pastor James reveals in today's message that when you belong to Jesus, you get a target on your back from the enemy. He really wants to take you out. He wants to silence your testimony, and he wants to discourage you from sharing the good news of the gospel. Because of that, Pastor James urges you to be sober-minded. Be considerate of the things that you allow to take up residence in your heart and mind. Now here's Pastor James in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. So 1 Peter chapter 1, if you don't mind, turn there. This is Peter's call. He just talked about this living hope that we have. You've been born again into this living hope, and it's through Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection, and, and it's God who holds us. He's, he makes this great proclamation through those first 12 verses. And now he, he kind of piggybacks off of that and transitions into this, now this call, this marching orders, so to speak. Look at verse 13. Peter goes, so prepare your minds or gird up the loins of your minds. That's a weird way. We don't use that terminology much anymore in America. So I'm reading out a New Living Translation that says, prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. So what Peter is going to do within these first verses 13 through 16, he's going to throw out five commands, okay? Five commands for you and I to abide by. And uh, three of these are subordinate to two of them. Two commands are be holy, right? So we'll see that in a second. And what's the next one? Put your hope in, have faith or have hope, okay? Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come when Jesus Christ is revealed to the, wor- to the world. That's command number one, have hope. So two main commands, have hope, be holy, and then the other three are subordinate to those commands, so to speak. They come along and, and really support these commands, but you have hope by preparing your mind for action and exercising self-control or being sober-minded, is what he says. Right there in the very beginning, this is his, his call to arms, his, his call to action for Christians. And he's addressing Christians who were on the brink of major, major persecution. They had already been experiencing persecution up until this point, And Peter is used by the Holy Spirit to write this letter to them, but it's about to get way worse. So with that on the horizon, and if it's, we believe that the word of God is God breathed, meaning that it is God who is using Peter to record what God once said, God already knows what's going to happen. He knows what's on the horizon. He knows great persecution is on the horizon. And so God calls his people, get ready, get ready for it. Gird up your minds, prepare your minds. This Christianity thing, it's not where you check your brain at the door, okay? Intellectualism is a part of this thing. 
growing in your knowledge and understanding of who he is, being prepared to give a defense for the hope that you have. You you have to engage your brain in Christianity. You have to. And if anybody's ever told you otherwise, they don't know what they're talking about. This means you and I got to do the work. There is work to be done. And I'm not talking about works getting you to heaven. Your trip to heaven, so to speak, is secure in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection. But there still is work to be done. And part of the work to be done is to be disciplined. Do the hard work of studying. You can't just be like, well, I'm having an argument with somebody who doesn't believe in this. And you can't, your, your argument cannot be because the Bible says so. Okay? Is that true? Yes. But if that's as far as you go, then I'm going to challenge you to not be lazy and dig deeper into it. You have to be equipped. You and I have to be equipped. And Peter is telling the people, he's like, prepare your minds for action. Gird up the loins of your minds for action, for battle. Why? Because people are going to come to you with questions. And they're going to come to you with questions that you don't have answers for. And that's okay. Okay, don't go into this pattern of like, well, maybe if I just talk a whole lot, the truth will somehow miraculously spill out of my mouth, right? No, that usually gets you in more trouble, okay? If they ask you a question, you hear me say this all the time. And if you don't know the answer, say, I don't know the answer to that, but I will do my homework. Let's schedule a meeting one week from today. Let's go have coffee. Give me some time to investigate. Give me some time to dig deep into this. And then we'll meet again, and I'll let you know what I find out. That has to be our conversations with people who bring up difficult questions to us within, concerning this hope that we believe in. It's okay not to know the answers. None of us have all the answers. But we have to prepare our minds. We have to gird up the, our minds for action. This gird up that... And I'm glad we don't use this term anymore because it really applied to the clothing that they were wearing, you know, wearing robes and they'd wrap their robes and kind of, you know, pull up this whatever extra amount of robe up between their legs and tuck it into their belt. Why? So they could run fast, right? So they can move freely, okay? So glad we don't dress like this. So glad. It looks like wearing a big old diaper, and, but they are girded and they are ready to go, Okay. Peter's using that imagery, letting us know, this is what you should be doing with your brains, with your brains. Read the Bible. Spend primary is this thing, okay? There are a lot of good secondary resources, extra biblical resources that help us to understand this thing, okay? Primary is this. Go to the Word. Study the Word. Live in the Word. Love the Word. Read this thing. It's beautiful. It's amazing, But I have a bookshelf. I have bookshelves filled with books that help me to understand some of these concepts a little bit better because I need all the help I can get. But this is the charge. This is the command from Peter. He's like, prepare your minds for action. Oh, and along with that, concerning this having hope, you have to be sober-minded. You have to be clear-headed in this warfare. You can't allow things to come in and to cloud your brain and your thinking. You can't allow that. you got to be a good gatekeeper on what you're bringing into your life and what you're allowing in. Because there's plenty of things. If we are engaged in a spiritual battle, and we are, then we have to understand that the enemy is smart. He's very wise. He's been around for a long time, longer than any of us. He knows more than any of us too, by the way. And he knows how to get us. And so you and I have to be on guard daily. What are we allowing in? What are we allowing in? This sober-minded, here it's it's just used to kind of create for us this this visual of like, you know, we always associate with like, you know, 
don't get drunk. Yeah, don't get drunk. Drunkenness is sin. Don't do that, okay? If you've done that, repent, turn back to the Lord, confess it, own it, do that stuff, right? But this is talking about your, your thinking process and not allowing anything in that's going to mess that up. And Paul would write in Ephesians, don't be drunk with wine, but what? But be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let the Spirit control you. This is an inward control. So the enemy, if, if that's true, and it is true, then the enemy is going to counter that with trying to distract you with anything and everything to gain what? Control of your thinking. And he's really good at it. He's really good at it. Be sober-minded. Okay, that's, sober-minded is another way of just saying self-control. Self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, so you, every day, this is why we talk about this. Every day you roll out of bed or somebody has to push you out of bed, however that works in your scenario and setup, you're just praying, Holy Spirit, please fill me today. Fill me today. Empower me today. To what? To be ready for action and to be sober-minded. Why? Because as soon as you roll out of bed, man, you're, you're engaged in warfare. The battle's on. The battle's on. It says, put all your hope in this gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So again, the salvation isn't speaking of salvation from sin. It's talking about this ultimate rescue in the end of it all. This day is coming, so we should be prepared or constantly being prepared for that day. But this is our hope, and that's that main command there. Put all of your hope in what? This living hope that you have into a living Savior. Put all of your hope into him. And again, the best way to do that is prepare your minds for action and be sober-minded. It's hard. It's really hard to hope in Jesus when you're intoxicated, so to speak. Literally, you know, figuratively and all that good stuff. It's really hard because why? Because you're allowing all these voices in and then you get depressed and discouraged and you're starting to hear that, you know, from the enemy and then it's, it's difficult. That's the battle we engage in. But if we're preparing our minds for action and if we're sober-minded, you're clinging to this hope. And his name is Jesus. Verse 14, so you must, must, okay, live as God's obedient children Don't slip back into your old ways of living. Don't conform, okay? Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. It was done in ignorance is what what he's saying there. So no longer be conformed to your old way of life, right? Pressed and formed into that shape or that mold. You've been remade, so to speak. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. So Peter's other command within this is don't go back to your old ways. Don't go back to your old ways. That old way of living before Jesus, you can't, go, you can't afford to go back there. Rent's gone up. You can't afford it. You can't afford it. Nor do you want to go back, okay? And I know in the midst of temptation, it seems like those are the good old days. Remember when it... Again, not being sober-minded, we get distracted and we think, because the enemy's good at this, running those highlight reels of our past. And all he ever shows is maybe glimpses of those fun moments, you know, and all that good stuff. He completely leaves out all the suffering and the scars that you, you know, accrued during this time of that old way, that old lifestyle. Peter's charge to them, Peter's charge to us is don't go back. Don't go back. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. What I appreciate about this is the fact that 
Peter recognizes and acknowledges the fact that those desires are still hanging around. We need to realize this as Christians. I don't, you don't hear a lot of people talking about this, right? A lot of the exhortations we receive is, just be good. Be good. And you're like, I'm trying, but I got this problem. There's this, there's this like almost other part of me, like it's the flesh versus the spirit. And Paul talks about this all throughout Romans. There's this battle within me. But see, nobody wants to talk about these desires that are still very real. They're just, just be good. Just be good. And then you go to try to be good, and then you're depressed the rest of the week because within moments, you blow it. I think part of preparing our minds for actions is realizing these things are a reality. My flesh still craves sinful things. Now, am I redeemed and all? Absolutely. But man, there is a battle that I will be engaged in until the day I die or Jesus comes back. And the quicker we realize that, I think the more victory we will experience within this life. We try to hide it. Well, if I just ignore it, it'll go away. That's not true. That's not true. And we don't need to focus in on these desires. What we do is we focus on the hope that we have in Jesus. We don't ignore the fact that, hey, guess what? We're sinners. We're all sinners. I know that's not a popular message, but they don't really care at this point in time in history. What we need to realize is, yes, we are sinners. Is there salvation for that? Absolutely. His name is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. But there's a battle that you and I face every single day. And the temptation to go back is still there. Sometimes it's stronger. I think, I'm hoping, I've been walking with the Lord for 20 years now, I'm really hoping, like, does it, does it get easier? And all my mentors tell me, maybe a little bit. Some things, yes. But it's a battle. It's a battle. And there's no retirement for soldiers in Christ. It's a war until the end. An enemy is not going to be like, well, you've been walking with the Lord for 20 years. We'll take it easy on you. We'll take it easy on you. You've done your time. We'll take it easy. Oh, you've been walking with the Lord for 40 years? Oh, no, don't shoot at that guy, right? He's a, he's a vet, right? Like, no, he's, no, wait, they're going to gun for you even more. The enemy loves going for new converts, and the enemy loves going for you who have been well-established in your walk with Jesus. And isn't it fascinating that you look through the scriptures and you see King David who was probably in his 50s when he fell with Bathsheba, well-established in his relationship with God, written many worship songs. He's the king of Israel. And isn't it fascinating, if you just do like a, a little cursory look of evangelical pastors and all that good stuff, some of my heroes have crashed and burned in their 50s, in their 60s, and at points in times where you think like, no, dude, like you made it. Like, you, oh, you're never out of it. You're never out of the battle. Live as obedient children, God's children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living. Number one, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. And what you think will bring satisfaction again, or whatever amount of satisfaction, because sin does satisfy, let's be honest, okay? It is pleasurable for a season. The Bible says that, okay? And I love the fact that the Bible is very honest and true with us, because if sin was horrible, probably more people would be like, I don't want to do that, right? Because it's pleasurable for a season. People are like, yeah, more, please. But whatever pleasure or satisfaction you may have had momentarily within it, you'll quickly discover it's not really there. 
Don't go back trying to you know, live to satisfy your own desires. And those are your own desires. Those are not God's desires. You were living for yourself. Before Christ, you're living for yourself. I mean, that's just how it is. That's how I was. I was living for me. And I found out I'm a horrible God. Just horrible. Like, lowercase g. Obviously, don't think I was like deifying myself at all. But I lived for me. I worshiped me. I served me. And that brought me to this place where I was like, I'm pretty bad. Um, this is pretty horrible. This isn't working out for me. And that's when Jesus was so gracious to step into my life. And it's like, yeah, now, you, now it's time to follow me. True God. One who can actually bring you satisfaction. One who can actually bring you peace that you're wrestling about and that you're searching for. He says, he, that last little clause on there, he says, yeah, you did that out of ignorance, right? You, did it at, you didn't know any better then, right? So the, praise God for that too, right? Because we were all knuckleheads before Jesus and we all have our testimonies and stories. And what I love about that is the Lord is like, yeah, you're pretty ignorant about that, you know? And you're like, okay, cool. Is that an insult? No, it's not. It's just letting you know that you live that way because that's who you were. Naturally, that's who you were. You were born a sinner, and as you grew and developed, you became, just grew into a bigger sinner, a more mature sinner. And then you became a clever sinner. You know how to do it really well. That was during your times of, of ignorance, so to speak. But that's not who you are today. And if you're a Christian, you can't use that as an excuse anymore. If you're a Christ follower, you can't go back. You can't go back to those old ways. You can't. And you have no excuse devil made me do it. No, he didn't. No, those are your desires. Yours. Okay? There's no excuses. Sober-minded, ready for action, embracing hope. The other part of this, the second major command within this section, but now you must be holy. Okay? Hagios is the, the term there. That's the Greek term, and it's morally pure is technically what this is talking about. Morally pure. And the other part of that is set apart for God. That's how we normally identify that term. Hagios, so within the Greek, does speak of this moral purity, making good choices, choices that edify the body and that minister to yourself, but also ultimately bring glory to God. This is who we ought to be. Now you must be holy in everything you do. I'm holy on Sundays. You got to read the verse again, okay? I'm holy on Thursday. No, not quite. No, holy in everything you do. Set apart in everything you do. Why? Because you belong to him and you represent him. And so wherever you go out, you're representing the king of kings. And he expects you to be holy in your lifestyle, in your speech, in your care for other people, how you treat other people. You should be holy, pure. It says, to add on to that, just as God who chose you is holy, be like him. This kind of brings back to our, our brings to our attention, you know, the book of Exodus, where God is, is this, he's throwing down and he's establishing, not just in Exodus, but in the Old Testament, he lets him know, be holy because I am holy. Deuteronomy speaks a lot about this as well. Be holy for I am holy. Be holy for I am holy. That's what God is constantly declaring to the nation of Israel, but the same thing applies to you and I today as his kids be holy. Why? Because I'm holy. Be like me. And remember, it is God who chose you. He chose you. He did all the work of salvation. He gets to make all the rules. He gets to make the rules, okay? 
says, verse 16, for the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. So there you go. That's the quote from, from the Old Testament Peter is bringing out to this. He's like, you got to live a set-apart life. You have to live a set-apart life. There should be something different about you than people who live in the world. And, if, and it can't be limited to just how you dress. It has to be your, your lifestyle. Like how you interact with people has to be different. And that doesn't mean you walk around using Christianese terms and all these things and like whatever, right? Like, no, that's, no, you need to speak to people how they will understand, okay, in that sense. Like if you're using, walking around with terms of like, you know, and I, I've been in the church for too long now, but like terms like sanctification, right? You may encounter people who are like, what? What does that mean? Just so we know, that's not a common term that's out in the world. It doesn't mean they don't know it or understand it, but it's not a normal day, you know, word that comes out of their mouth, so to speak. And so propitiation, and we have all these cool Christian terms. They're beautiful terms, by the way. They're, they're amazing terms, but they don't always connect with people that we're talking to. So then what do we do? Engage your brain. Engage your mind. Learn how to talk to people. Get at the source. Like, learn some words, other words. Like, there's other ways to say this. Yeah, there are other ways to communicate these truths. You got to meet people where they're at. And that's what, again, we're engaged in this warfare. We need to prepare our minds. We need to be sober-minded. We need to be holding on to Jesus as our hope. And we need to be holy and not turning back to our old way of life. And that's, how do I be holy? Well, you say goodbye to yesterday. You say goodbye to whoever you were before Christ. And you fix your eyes on him, and you run to him, and you follow him. That's probably within the text, one of the best ways to, you want to know how to be holy. Say goodbye to your old self and embrace a new reality of who he has made you. Verse 17, it says, and remember, okay, if you need more motivation, remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. Oh, man, yeah, say, I'm sorry for whatever, however many golden stars you've earned in Sunday school. If you're thinking like, this is getting me in good with God, he's got no favorites. He's got no favorites. I pray four hours a day. Cool. That's awesome. I'm glad you have time for that. That's amazing. But you're not like, you know, but I'm like, God, I'm your favorite, right? And he's like, no, I kind of love all you equally. Yeah. I saw this video. It cracked me up. This, uh, this grandma in New Jersey, she's got a chart. And all her grandkids' names are on this chart, and they're on these magnetic things, okay? And depending on what these grandkids are up to, she has them numbered. One through, I don't know how many grandkids she has, I think it was about 10 of these things. And she puts her favorite in spot number one. And one of the grandsons, he was there, and he's videoing this thing. He's like, I have to show you this. He's like, this is my grandma. And he had just gave her some news about, I think he just got a brand new tattoo, and so grandma was like, what? And she went, took his name from the spot where he was top five. She took his name from top five and put him at the very bottom, right in front of his face. Grandma's letting him know, I play favorites. I play favorites. And he got that new tattoo. And it was a sweet tattoo. And grandma wasn't having it. She wasn't having it. And, I, and, and as funny as that is, I'm so glad that's not how God works. I'd be at the bottom of the list all the time, I feel like. Like, have I moved up at all? He's like, no, you're just we keep moving down. I'm like, oh, okay. When are you coming back? Because can we just get this done with? Like, uh, I, there's no more spots I can descend to. He doesn't play that way, though. Praise God, he doesn't play that way. Hope to the hopeless hope.
You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James is going through the New Testament letter written by the Apostle Peter. 1 Peter is a book full of empowering statements made from someone who knew firsthand what it was like to believe in Jesus and to face enemies of all kinds. Much of Peter's message is reminding us that although we might face fiery trials, in the end, God will lift us up for being faithful to him. Once again, Peter knew what it was like to suffer. He himself had once denied that he even knew Jesus. Surely there was a turmoil within him during those hours of denial. But he went on to be a spiritual pillar as the Christian church was birthed. We trust that as you're listening to these messages from 1 Peter, that you're being strengthened in your own walk and faith with the Lord. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. We're a group of people of all ages, coming together to magnify Jesus and find hope and new life in Him. We'd love to have you come join us for a Sunday morning service, or we have a Thursday evening service too. You can find out more on our website, breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, if the Spirit leads you, there's a link to where you can support this ministry in a financial way. We're grateful for any support as we strive to spread the light of the gospel in a dark world. Well, that's all the time that we have for today, but we'll be back again next time in the book of 1 Peter. Pastor James is looking forward to sharing more with you here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.